My name is Benjamin Eisenberg from Side Valley, California. I was wondering what we in this hall can do to stop war around the world. <laughs> I'm not that optimistic, but uh, you know, we, at least we, we aspire to start at home and try to put an end. And I always wonder kind of how, you know, when I drive through the streets of Israel, I see both Israelis and Palestinians, it's, it's, there is a sense of, of tragedy that we know that many on both sides of the conflict will have to end their lives earlier than was originally programmed as a result of the inability of leaders uh, to take the decisions. I spent some time with Arafat and President Clinton uh, somewhat more than a year ago at Oslo celebrating or memorizing the uh, fifth year of or six years of the Oslo Agreement. And I told them that uh, the problem of, of the Middle East will not be solved in heaven. It should be solved only by human beings ready to take painful uh, decisions here on Earth. Unfortunately, I, I think that w you were born into a much better generation that um, those generations we learn about in history, but Unfortunately, it will take a long time before we see uh, peace on Earth. Please. Hello, I'm uh, Eric Purdy from Cincinnati. Uh, several months ago in the newspaper, I read that the International Human Rights Organization, Amnesty International, had criticized the State of Israel for uh, a number of human rights violations. I wanted to know how you felt about that criticism, whether you agreed with it, if you've done anything to, to change that? We have tried, we've done, we, we give a lot of attention to Amnesty and other human rights organizations. Uh, as a prime minister, I had to sometimes to see such a, after certain reports in the media, I would get maybe 1,000 or 2,000 uh, uh, emails and, and faxes of a kind of protest. Usually there are um, kind of, there is no factual basis to what had been informed. Usually it's kind of play or manipulation by some of our rivals, but sometimes there is certain factual ground for it. We try to correct. I personally cannot uh, reply to all those uh, approaches, but there is an office um, full-time job working on answering it. The, the real point is that once such a conflict, two national movements are colliding, you cannot easily avoid certain kind of uh, friction, certain kind of incorrect reporting, a certain kind of real pain of human beings. We try our best to, to deal with it, but the real solution is a much more daring approach, namely to put an end to it, to be ready to realize that the public attitude might not be changed before two generations will pass with the impact of education, but the role of leaders is to create the political and legal structure for reconciliation and let it shape the behavior and the uh, perceptions of their own uh, peoples. Please. Hello, uh, my name is Matthew Lesser. I'm from Washington, D.C. When you were elected uh, prime minister, 
you were elected on a platform in which you talked a lot about helping uh, Israel's economy. Do you think, what, given what's happened in the last six months, whether Israel has the luxury to worry about its economy and other such things? I think that we have done a lot uh, on the economy. I didn't have enough time to put it into, to describe it in a detailed way, but we, we took the economy from, from a, one of the longest recessions in the last, uh, uh, last uh, generation with a, a negative per capita growth, and we pulled it out of this recession uh, in six or seven quarters uh, to to reach a, a, a generation high kind of record of growth of some 9.1% in the last uh, quarter and overall on an average of about 6% growth in, uh, in 2000. Uh, we did it at the same time while pushing inflation to practically zero and uh, uh, reducing dramatically the, the uh, external debt of Israel from 111% to something like 94% of, of uh, GDP. And uh, someone was very successful, but I have no illusions. It won't work unless we were kind of a part of a movement toward peace. The, the, there is a lot of psychology of expectation around the economy and the eruption of talent in our high-tech uh, industry combined with the prospect of a peace agreement uh, made the difference, make uh, the economy very, very successful uh, under my uh, government. Um, we are now suffering from something that you experience here, but on a minor Israeli scale, it's a combination of slow down the uh, Nasdaq. Many Israeli high, uh, startups are registered in Delaware, as you might uh, guess, and. Uh, uh, traded on Nasdaq, and we suffer from it. But basically, I believe that we have, we, we don't have any natural resources, but the gray materials between the ears of young Israelis, and we try to do our best to extract uh, our future goals and future of the country out of this natural uh, uh, resource. Please. Hi, my name is Lisa Fleischer, and I'm from Tenafly, New Jersey. I was. I've heard that there have been accusations against the media of disproportionately portraying. Can or you please talk a little bit slower? Sorry. Um, too many uh, uh, cannon shells passed near my ears to, <laughs> to be able to understand if you don't speak slowly enough. The American media has been accused of disproportion disproportionately reporting war crimes by Palestinians against Israelis. Um, versus Israelis against Palestinians and almost portraying is Israel as simply a victim to Palestinian aggression. Do you agree with this um, and can you comment on it? They describe Israel as? Israel as more of a victim to Palestinian aggression. Victim, victim to Palestinian aggression. Look, uh, it's, a, it's a very long conflict. Uh, we know from intelligence material, from hard evidence that the Palestinians um, decided strategically to turn to violence after Camp David, uh, not as a result of some compromises that I have made, but to the opposite, as a result of the fact that on one hand, I was not ready to give something for nothing. On the other hand, I told them I'm ready to contemplate and to 
discuss almost everything. It makes the Palestinians exposed. For the first time in the last 10 years, they have to answer real questions about the real, the, the substantial issues of the right of return for refugees, Jerusalem, uh, security arrangements, borders, uh, blocks of settlements, and even the whether we are going to have a, a free trade agreement with the emerging Palestinian uh, state or, or any kind of uh, other kind of relationship. And they failed to do it. They, failed, they feel that somehow the rest of the world is aligning before, behind Israel, and they decided deliberately to turn to violence in order to raise these pictures on the, or images on the screen of young Palestinians vis-a-vis -vis the Israeli tanks, which somehow project something directly to the uh, gut feeling of honest people all around the world. Uh, we are trying to avoid damage for any collateral damage, any damage for, for innocent civilians, but somehow we are faced a series we are faced with a series of repeated attacks on innocent Israelis in the street. We tried our best to avoid kind of uh, kind of responding in the same coin, but, uh, but as a result of the events, many Palestinians lost their life. We think that their leadership is responsible for it, that it could be easily avoided by choosing reconciliation and, and negotiation. And we are still waiting. We are determined to stand firm and to wait until their eyes are opened and they will be ready to negotiate real peace agreement, which is achievable and possible in the Middle East. Um, Please. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Geyer from Cape Elizabeth, Maine. And uh, one of the most intractable issues in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict has been Jerusalem. So I was wondering if you see a solution possible to that problem, and if so, what that solution would be that both sides could agree to. It is, um, you described it accurately as the most delicate issue, you know, our whole history is somehow rooted in uh, Jerusalem is the, the birthplace of our civilization and identity. We realize the fact that there are hundreds of thousands of Arabs there, the Palestinians, and there is a need to find a reasonable solution. Uh, there is, of course, the holy places inside it, which complicates it even more. You know, when we were at the uh, millennium gathering of world leaders at the UN uh, this last September, Arafat came on, on stage and said that uh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Palestine. So I had to recommend that as far as I know, when he was born, he was born as a Jewish guy. And when he went to see Jerusalem as a youngster, he could, he could not see a single uh, church and not to mention a single mosque. He could just see the uh, the, the second temple uh, on the first, uh, on the same place where Temple Mount is right now. So the real story is not about interpretation of the past, but we think that uh, when the time comes to establish a Palestinian state, the fact that we are ready to accept the need to establish a Palestinian state with a, a capital called uh, El Quds 
uh, very close to Jerusalem, it doesn't mean that we have to erase the history of the Jewish people at the same opportunity. We are not ready for that. Uh, and I believe that since we kept the freedom of worship in the holy places better than anyone else all along the history of these places, and even the Muslims, they are working in, in what they call Haram Sharif, the Temple Mount, uh, they are worshiping God the way they understand without any intervention, and they practically control uh, the area. I believe that the solution is feasible. I don't feel free to describe it in detail since even it is closed gathering. You know, it's, as long as it is not right for a real decision, there is certain uh, potential damage in, in dealing with the details. Uh, but I strongly believe that with the right kind of leadership that concentrates on the, on the real destiny of real human beings, not just on symbols, we can solve it, we have to solve it in a way that will not violate, violate the, not the, neither the interest nor the beliefs and sensitivities of either side. What was your personal experience of being involved in these peace talks and discussions mm -hmm. that had such serious stakes, such serious implications, and were under such public, were in such public eye? Uh, I was deeply involved in uh, uh, peace talks uh, long before I became a prime minister. I, I was, uh, I, I mentioned already that Rabin was in a way my mentor. He kind of took me into uh, peace talks uh, with, uh, with Hussein, uh, King Hussein of Jordan, long before when I was still in, in uniform. Uh, and uh, I was kind of part of the negotiations with the Palestinians uh, when uh, Paris and Rabin were uh, heading our government. And then I was the first Israeli to, to meet a Syrian leader here at the Blair House uh, I met the, the, my colleague, so to speak, the, the Syrian chief of, of staff, but in Israel it's a civil servant. It's like General uh, Shalikashvili or, or, or Colin Powell or General Jones, but uh, in Syria it's a political position. He's the closest friend of, of the late Assad and uh, was a political leader. So I was deeply involved in it before I became a prime minister. But I felt very strongly, especially when I won a kind of landslide, unprecedented kind of victory, uh, pushed by the, what is called the peace camp in Israel, that there is a kind of imperative upon myself where we are running a battle for peace over some 10 years. And uh, Rabin was assassinated, just kind of uh, assaulting or trying, uh, fighting uphill battle to, to reach an agreement that we cannot do it without being ready to expose ourselves, to take risk, and to try it. It's not enough to talk about it, to analyze. There is a need to try it, to push it down to the empiric level, to unmask Arafat, to unmask ourselves, to uh, get more mature, to be able to talk not in terms of wishful thinking, but in terms of uh, tough and painful realities and try to do it. It was a unique experiment, uh, experience for me. It was, there were moving moments and very tough decisions to be taken 
Uh, but it was clear to me all along the way that we cannot impose it on the other side. It takes two to tango. If they don't want, you cannot, you, you, can, you can impose a war on the other side. You cannot impose peace. And uh, we, I, I told my people, if there is a way to do it, we will. If we'll find that there is no partner, at least we'll uh, remain united. You know, it reminds me something from uh, basic, uh, basic uh, physics. You, you know from your physics 101 or maybe from high school, I know, that uh, you cannot uh, uh, design, you, you cannot know where an electron is and what its momentum without running an experiment. And while you experience, run the experiment, the experiment somehow influences the situation. So if you want to know exactly where it is, you will know nothing about its momentum. If you want to know something about its momentum, you won't know where is it. But there is no way to know either if you, don't, if you are not ready to intervene. And something similar to this uh, principle of uncertainty of Heisenberg is happening in, um, in political life. You cannot know. It will uh, be a, an infinite competition of propaganda between us and the Palestinians if someone is not ready to, uh, to say, here is Spain, here you should jump, we are ready. I told Clinton after a meeting, uh, President Clinton after a meeting with Arafat in Oslo, that Arafat and his leadership looked so serious and grave. Maybe they understand that we are like two jumpers, uh, two people who are standing on the verge of the abyss, realizing that we have to jump, and everyone looks at the other to make sure that the other one is going to jump uh, with him. <laughs> we are not going to do this kind of, I don't know how it's called here in the States, There's jumping from uh, bridges and cliffs, that we are not going to do it alone, but hand uh, in hand with, uh, with Chairman Arafat.